We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Almost out of time on a Bloody Mary Friday, and that means I'm almost out of Bloody Mary on a Friday. Home and Home is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire, try ZipRecruiter for free right now by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Coming up, the best games of the weekend in the NFL. Ross Tucker and myself will pick them. But first, let's get into some college football with our friend Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. Pete, good to see you. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. Dave, what's going on, man? Busy good to see you, man. Football world, man. Yeah, great to see you, too. It is indeed, and of course, the college football NCAA pay-for-play bill continues yeah. to dominate the conversation across the sport. And Mark Emmert finally weighing in. His voice had been missing, telling the Indianapolis Star that these athletes would become school employees and that there's no way the NCAA can't exist with patchwork set of rules. What's your reaction to Emmert finally weighing in? Well, Dave, this was never going to be linear, right? The, this process to get to the uh, to get to NLI and it basically or sorry uh, NIL um, basically what what Emirate has done is set a narrative to try to let the NCA take back control of this and what he does not want to do is exactly what has already happened is that basically these states and politicians realized the NCA was so universally unpopular that they could they could pass these rules. I and mean, when's the last time a piece of legislation passed unanimously in this divided country right now? Red state, blue state, all that crazy stuff. We have a wild election coming. And here are pieces of legislation that are sailing through with, you know, uniting parties at a time of unprecedented divisiveness in America. And so I think basically now politicians smell an easy victory. So they're racing to, you know, in places like Florida, places like Pennsylvania, they're racing to put bills in so they can uh, so they can dunk on the NCAA too. And so what what Emmer did in his comments was basically I think set the tone for what's going to happen. I mean I, I think generally he's right. There's not going to be a patchwork system. That that's just not that's not sensible. You know like that would be like the 49ers having a different salary cap than the Buccaneers. It just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. But what he's trying to do is regain some semblance of control because the NCAA is in action and the NCAA historically has been a reactive organization and not one that shows forethought and not one that's proactive at all. And so what he's trying to do is regain some measure of control at a different juncture of this process. So walk me through, Pete, what you think is going to unfold over the next year, two years, whatever. And do you have a solution or something that you think is equitable and does make sense? So, Ross, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I just think there's a long way to go in this. I mean, the, the California bill, I think, was, what, 23? So there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of time to go. I think, generally speaking, we'll get to some sort of universal name, image, and likeness thing that falls under the NCAA umbrella that everybody agrees to. And it essentially will force the NCAA and schools to give up some slice of their cookie. They have, you know, all these, it's these billion-dollar pies 
and a, only a sliver of it now through tuition is going to student-athletes. And basically, they're going to have to give up a bigger sliver. Now, how that all happens, and it's, again, none of this is easy. Like, I, I just, you know, it, two guys, you know, sitting at a bar in Tuscaloosa aren't going to be able to come up with this because you have really a very small percentage of all athletes. Now, we're talking about, like, Shippensburg cross-country runners and, you know, Seattle University field hockey players and the whole thing. So it's a very small percentage that would be able to profit off this. And you have to be able to fairly create a system to allow them to do that. That's going to be complicated. Like that is not easy. Everyone agreeing on this is the easy part. We've hit the, we've hit the smooth part. The, the devil is definitely going to be in the details here. And I think it's so nuanced. I can't sit here on the back of a bar napkin and, and, and draw up what is going to be next. I think I can, I can pontificate in theory but in actual executable reality, when you start bringing in things like tax code and unions and all these different varying factors, I, I, I can't I don't have a sense yet sure. or even like a vision of exactly what it's going to look like. So then here's my question, Pete. It, how is there any way they do this without coaches being able to offer high school recruits name, image and likeness guarantees while they're 14, 15, 16 years old in high school? Like, how, how is there any way they can regulate it where it doesn't get to that point? Or does it get to that point? I think that name, image, and likeness will become a big part of the recruiting process. You, you, you likely wouldn't be able to exploit that until you got to college. But I do think that's going to be on the lore now when in, in part of the recruiting pitch. You come here, you're guaranteed – X thousands of dollars a year from Johnny car dealership. But what's going to happen is the multi hundred thousand dollar sponsorship that, uh, you know, let's just take Penn state that the local Chevy dealership would give every year to Penn state to get some advertising on the wall. Maybe that money gets shifted towards recruiting budget, or maybe it doubles as that. I, I mean the whole, if you really dive down the rabbit hole, there's so many dynamics that are going to change significantly in all this. Yeah, it's a long way to go in this conversation, and it, it will get ugly, quite frankly, if the NCAA can't find a way to regulate it, determine what an appropriate value is for name, image, or likeness. You cannot have the wild, wild west. So Mark Emmert is not in a really enviable position. Let's turn our attention toward the weekend in college football. Some great games. Iowa and Michigan may be a turning point either way for Harbaugh. But to you... Before we get to that one and the uh, Auburn-Florida game, right now, best team in college football is who? That That's a good question. Uh, I think if you judge it on actual wins on the field, I think you say Auburn. They've had the most really good wins. It's, 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 really, uh, it's really simple. They've gone into the belly of the beast in College Station and won. They've beaten a very good Oregon team on a neutral field. They thumped a very solid, uh, a very solid Tulane team. And they're they're especially if they win Saturday, I, I really think they can they can cement their role in that. I'd be disappointed if they didn't get the number one vote. So based on performance and actual wins, it's that. Based on just what we've seen on the field, the best performing team so far, in my opinion, has been Ohio State. Now we'll learn a lot more. I'm actually going to go to that game this weekend. I'm going to go to Cincinnati, UCF tonight, and then I'm going to go up to Columbus for their Michigan State game, which will be their first real, you know, their first real significant challenge. So they've had a few games that people said were supposed to be challenges, and quite frankly, they haven't been. But uh, Michigan State, even though their offense is a little bit behind, is never uh, is never a cakewalk, and uh, 
I'll be curious to see how the Buckeyes respond if they get punched in the mouth. But they have just rolled unimpeded through a decent schedule. Not a crazy good one, not close to Auburn or some other high-end teams, but they've just really looked flawless. All three phases have executed very well. And uh, I think I think the Buckeyes each week have made, they made a loud statement that, you know, when the season started, they may not have been in the playoff conversation. I think now they've thrust themselves right into the throes of that, and uh, they, they should be getting some number one votes if they win handily this weekend. You know, Pete, it's interesting. I, I am once again this Friday up at West Point as okay. the Black Knights take on Tulane, both of which are receiving votes in each poll. Uh, Tulane's only loss is at Auburn. It was a close game. We all know Army's only loss was at Michigan. Close game. And looking at it, I think this will be the probably the fourth straight year uh, that Willie Fritz and Tulane have improved their record back-to-back winning seasons for the first time since 97, 98. Army, of course, Jeff Munkin's done that the last four years. They've got back-to-back 10-win seasons, first time in school history. Back-to-back Commander-in-Chief Trophies, first time in school history. Let's start to talk about, you know, the college football coaching circuit, whether it's Tennessee, if something happens there or anywhere else. Do you hear any buzz when it comes to Munkin, Fritz, and if you don't, who else do you hear buzz on right now? Well, we'll start with that game because if you're an Illinois fan, for example, God bless your soul, first of all, but if you are an Illinois fan, that's a good game to tune into on Friday night because those are two unbelievable program builders, quintessential college coaches who both could end up being in the mix in Champaign next year, assuming the inevitable happens with Lovey Smith. Um I'm a huge Willie Fritz fan. I think he's won everywhere he's gone, at every level he's gone. This is a good little nugget for you, Ross. It's my favorite Willie Fritz story. He was Michael Bishop's junior high gym teacher. He actually coached him in JUCO, but in sixth grade, he had Michael Bishop in gym class. When he showed up to recruit him, Michael Bishop was like, Mr. Fritz, what are you doing here? (laughs) Uh, But, you know, when you go back and trace his path, he's won big at JUCO. He's won big at D2. He won big at Georgia Southern. And, you know, here he is again at Tulane, building him into a top 25 caliber program. The interesting thing about Munkin to me is that, you know, he's not Paul Johnson. If he gets another job from Army, he's not just going to be a triple guy. He has some analysts on staff who have some different backgrounds. And look, what they've done at Army is work. You can't argue with running the triple there. I mean, but you also have to take a look at Munkin as a coaching candidate through a bigger prism. Look at look at the, the lack of penalties they have every year. Look at the leadership. Look at the discipline. Look how he dragged Army from the from the depths and has now brought him past Navy and Air Force. And uh, I really I really think a lot of those guys as football coaches. And I, I wrote a piece today on Yahoo where I looked at some uh, some coaches who've been fired in the past and who aren't head coaches now who could end up with. Uh, head jobs in this cycle. And, and one of the themes of this cycle is that there are going to be a lot of very hard jobs that, that open. Rutgers is already open. Illinois is going to open. If you look out in the Mountain West, UNLV and New Mexico have been you know notoriously difficult jobs over the decades. And so maybe we start to see, instead of hiring the young hot guy, you either hire an experienced coach who's been fired or a guy like Willie Fritz or a guy like Todd Munkin who can come in, knows how to run a program, and has already made his mistakes earlier in their career. Because at some of those programs, you don't have a lot of margin for error. So here's what I've never understood, Pete. What If you are Kansas or Rutgers or you mentioned Illinois, 
if you're a program that realistically is never going to be in the top half, I guess Kansas had a Mangino year or whatever, but you know what I'm talking about. The yeah. programs that just, that there's their net Rutgers and is never going to be in the top half of the big 10 East. Why wouldn't you go with a coach that runs the triple? Like I know you said Munkin might be willing to switch or whatever, but why wouldn't you try that? I mean, you're not going to beat Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State doing it the same way they do it. Paul Johnson got Georgia Tech a lot more wins than they're getting right now this year. I just I wonder why they don't do it. Athletic directors generally are a uh, – they're like a pack. And they don't think for themselves. That would take some boldness. It would take some vision. And it would maybe be an unpopular hire when you do it. And the recruiting trail would look a lot different. You wouldn't be going after five stars. You'd be going after athletes who have the skill set and the size that fit your system. And, and basically, these athletic directors, especially at like have-not jobs and big conferences, they're all just trying to position themselves to go get have jobs. And to make an unpopular hire like that that could take a few years to really pay dividends would curtail their career. So a lot of these decisions aren't often made with the school's best interest in mind, but they're made with the best interest of the career path of the athletic director. And I, I really think athletic directors are just kind of a scared group who just go to the list, look at the hot young guy or look at the mid-major guy, pick him, stay in the fetal position, and then try to keep winning and move on. <laughs> the fetal position, the Michigan AD could be in that position at some point. Yeah. If Michigan were to lose to Iowa, could that spell the end of Jim Harbaugh's tenure there? Well, not not so. I mean, he's won 70% of his games. So, And I've been as critical of Harbaugh as anyone. But what the Iowa game would do would reinforce Michigan's high-end conundrum, right? You know, you know, your first world problems, like you're out of caviar on the yacht. This is This is Michigan right now. We have an excellent coach who can't win consistently at the level where we want him to win. In fact, he keeps failing whenever he's given these high leverage situations. Recruiting-wise, we don't have the kind of players to compete with Ohio State. Schematically, we're just kind of an unidentifiable mess. And so we, we just keep sort of, you know, we keep being in the upper middle class when we desire to be in the penthouse. They're basically in a Marriott right now, and they want to be in the Ritz. And so that's the problem that they have. Uh, I think I've said this to you guys. The interesting thing about Harbaugh is he only has two years left on his contract. His contract's up in 21. I would venture to say that no coach with a winning record, and certainly no coach who's won at his percentage, would ha only have two years left on their deal. I mean, that is like that is the anomaly of all the anomalies contractually out on the, out on the landscape right now. So, um, you know, does Michigan want to pony up for more years of being in the upper middle class? It's it's a really difficult conundrum because there's a really good chance if you part ways with Jim Harbaugh or he goes to the NFL or however you want to cast it, you don't get a better coach. I mean, how many coaches can you say are going to come in and win more than 70% of your games? So, again, Harbaugh has consistently failed. He's just been kind of this abject weirdo in a lot of ways just in terms of, like, it, the bizarreness in which he's carried himself, whether the bravado early on or just he's kind of this space cadet in press conferences and doesn't answer questions. Uh, but he's sort of your space cadet, and he's been pretty good. So I, th there would be no midseason firing. What there would be is like at the end of the season, they have to come to terms to, do we want to guarantee this guy, you know, 30, 40 more million dollars if we're going to get – I mean, the, the, the results have been very clear of what Jim Harbaugh is. He's beaten all the teams he's supposed to generally – and he's lost to the teams he's been an underdog to. 
And I mean, he is exactly what he is right now. There's a very clear portrait. He's done a poor job handling staff. I feel like the recruiting is regressed and we're going to see that come up and they have to decide like, can we, you know, can he build it to beat Ohio state? Last question, Pete. Um, I know you've been uh, a bunch of places, SI and New York times. You've done a terrific job everywhere. Obviously you're at Yahoo now. Um, Dave and I are both huge fans of Sports Illustrated. Uh, you know, I, I, I had the school library given to me when they were going to throw them out after 10 years. Dave has like everyone going back for 20 years. I know you spent time there. Just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what's going on at Sports Illustrated and the state of your industry. Yeah, Ross. I mean, yesterday was it was it was a really really sad day, and uh, I worked there from 2012 until about 2017. Spent five years there, and uh, you know, obviously have a huge affinity for the place. Uh, it, it really was, you know, a, a magical place to work. I mean, the, you know, the adrenaline rush of writing a cover story and, and working for such a story publication was one of the one of the thrills of my whole career. So. My heart goes out to my former colleagues and, and everyone there. Um, you know, I just spent a lot of time on the phone yesterday talking to Peter King just about like, man, like we just, our heart is broken for all these lives and careers taking detours right now. I mean, you've got people with families and everything and just the, the, the notion of some sort of click mill coming in and, you know, turning it into some like higher grade, you know, web portal, uh, it's just a really, really sad thing. And there are a ton of really good journalists there. I saw people being like, I'm, I'm canceling my subscription. No, don't cancel your subscription. Keep supporting these people. They, they, they need the help. They need the, they need the forum. And it, it's, a, it's a grand American institution. And yeah, my, my heart's been, been broken since, since the news of those layoffs because it's just a lot of really good, talented writers, reporters, editors uh, out of work. Yeah, we are two devotees. That has been my Bible for as long as I can remember. Every issue since 1986. It's really sad to see. Um, hope they can do something to maintain the quality of journalism there. Pete Damble, check out his podcast, Yahoo College Sports Podcast. Dan Wetzel, Pete Damble, Pat Forty. It is outstanding. Follow his reading as well. Pete, great to have you. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ross. Always good to talk with Pete, Dave. I love it. Uh, he's hired as our college football guy every Friday. Great breakdown. I kind of agree. Auburn does have the best win so far, but I think Ohio State, like Barton Simmons said earlier in the week, available yeah. on demand, radio.com slash home or, or radio.com app. I think Ohio State is the best team. Go ahead, Dave. I agree. Who's your Heisman right now? Um, I'd say Joe Burrow. Surprise. Joe Burrow, okay. LSU. You know what happens? I feel like, um, you know, he's got a huge win on the road over Texas and he's playing at a very high level. I think it's hard though, because it's almost like guys like Tua and Trevor Lawrence and to some extent Jalen Hurts like had a lead on him at the start. Yeah. Which I don't think is fair. It's not the way it should be. It should be a completely clean slate when we start this season. It's just not the way it works. It's the guys that were the favorites coming in to, uh, and to some extent, Hertz and Lawrence have like yeah. this leg up. I don't like that. I would go Burrow right now. But the beauty of this thing is, you know, they're going to play Auburn. They're going to play Alabama. 
you know, it will sort itself out a lot more. I remember a couple of years ago, I thought for sure it was Saquon Barkley. And then Penn State kind of petered out. Uh, they, they lost a, a game or two, and it hurt them. So uh, I think Heisman's really are one in November, um, and certainly at least late October. I want to get more into that Sports Illustrated thing with you in a second. I, I wanted to first, though, make sure you knew about ZipRecruiter.com. You probably never heard of it before, Dave. It is excellent. My buddy Dylan... Uh, the guy from 90210, yeah, he now has Cafe El Toro's COO. Oh, no, that's Dylan Miskowitz. He needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. He was having tra- trouble finding qualified applicants, so he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And so Sports Illustrated, uh, the, the, the most important magazine, I think, publication of yours and my life, the one thing that I could count on each and every week going back to, yes, yeah, so many years you used to flip right to the back page and read Rick Riley, no longer there, but always been the cornerstone of sports journalism. What was on the cover so iconic and still is to you and I, but we realize we are a little out of touch And now, though, it sounds like it's coming to a very sad and unfortunate ending. Again, now, some of the the big names there at SI, it sounds like will survive a very bloody day at SI. What's your reaction? So I I got a couple reactions and a question here, right? Yeah. So so first of all, Dave, what is your understanding of what's going to happen? Uh, That half, half of the employees are gone. From what I understand, there were two different emails that went out. Um, Once employees came together and showed each other their emails, it became very clear to them, oh, you're getting fired and I'm getting to stay. And they all came together and realized how the two groups of worded emails differed. So, but look, what I don't see is the books. What I don't see is the financials. And I know that no one's reading magazines anymore. And I know the pay model hasn't worked out the way it has for, say, the athletics. So look, these are tough financial decisions. And is a company going to continue to lose money because it's an iconic brand? No, not in 2019, not in 1950. All right. So then the next question is, what can they or should they do? Because we all agree we all love Sports Illustrated. Uh, I don't subscribe to it anymore, though, and I haven't in a while. I, I just, once, 
You know what I read? I read Twitter and I read open web browsers on my phone. That's really what I read in all sincerity, like quarterback rankings one through 32 uh, on NFL.com, Eagles versus Jets, five matchups to watch, eight takeaways from talking to the Eagles position coaches, the surprising truth about passing and rushing. Set. Like, my point is, is I am totally like I read a lot, but it's primarily through scrolling through scrolling through Twitter and seeing stories that interest me. I click on them. I open them in a web browser. And then when I get a chance, that's what I read. Like, I'm not going to pay. Now, I do pay for The Athletic, but I'm not going to pay for a magazine when I just wouldn't get to it. And I, it's, uh, it's also a reason why I don't read books. Like, I wouldn't get to a book. When would I get to a book? I have too much current event stuff that I need to read to ever be able to think about reading uh, a periodical like a magazine or certainly not a book. I think I buy books for the furniture. Um, here's one, one of the great books. I, I do recommend you buy this one, okay? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It is a legendary book. You should not just have it for furniture, but you should read it. It's outstanding. I will subscribe to Sports Illustrated for as long as they produce that magazine. It is so much a part of my fabric. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't get that magazine each week. In fact, I know at times it's been delayed, and I've looked around and asked my wife, did I miss it? It's just part of my life, and, and I don't read it online. I read the actual magazine. I like to flip through it. There are certain things I subscribe to, not because I read them, like the Denver Post and Denver newspapers, just because I feel like I need to support them. It feels like blockbuster video, unfortunately, though, Ross. To me, Sports Illustrated is blockbuster. They didn't see the bend in the road coming. Neither somehow did blockbuster. They let Netflix beat them to the punch. Sports Illustrated should already be the athletic. They already had the consumer base. They already had the terrific journalism and the best photojournalist our business will ever see. You got to see the bend in the, in the road. I mean, like Kodak, right? You got to know things are going digital and you have to stay one step ahead of it. It is sad, but I don't know at anything at this point that could reverse that unfortunate trend. All right. So then here's my, here's my last question on this. All right. And that is like, I'm from Reading, Pennsylvania and I love Reading, Pennsylvania. I love where I'm from. And I look at stories, sports stories, primarily on the Reading Eagle every day. They were recently sold for like pennies on the dollar and there's some thought that there's a chance that the paper would just go away. Like, how do you even know what's going on locally? Like, how do you even know what's going on if there's no local coverage? Right, right. You know, that, that that's difficult. I'm sorry, I was, I was just losing track. I was trying to think of that sports magazine movie that essentially played out this Sports Illustrated scenario. Can you remember that one? Um, uh, I know it was Dennis Quaid. It was Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. Was sales guy, for sure. I don't remember the name of the movie, though. But Dennis Quaid uh, was the sales guy. Scarlett Johansson was in it, right? Scarlett Johansson was in it. One of our staff has to know what we're talking about. And um, oh, I'm never going to get it. I, I took us down a road that I should not have taken us down because I cannot find the name of that magazine. Uh, do you think it's done? Do you think it's all wrapped up? In good company, Jordan Cohn came up with it. 
in good company really portrayed what was happening with Sports Illustrated, how they were going to try to do synergy and the old dinosaurs were kicked out. It's an unfortunate ending or preempting of the beginning, uh, the end. Do you think they can last much longer in this environment? Uh... No, I don't think they can, unfortunately. And I think that's a loss for all of us. And the only way we could fix it is if people like me subscribed, but I don't. So it's it's not a working model. All right. Well, we are unfortunately out of time on this Football Friday. It was a good one. It's going to be a very busy weekend of college football, NFL. You got the Packers and Cowboys. You got the Browns and Niners. We'll recap all of that for you on a very busy Monday show. Have a great weekend. Catch Ross Tucker, Army, and Tulane. See you Monday. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.